Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. But here's the danger. It's not those five fears. The danger is I gave you five names of God, five attributes of God, and basically five passages of Scripture. I don't want you to put God in such a tight box that it's just that verse, that name, that attribute with that fear. I want you to know it's all of His names. He's like a diamond, and sometimes that diamond will sparkle one way to you or to another. So it's all of God to whatever one fear that you have. But you've got to know Him and own Him. Okay, that's what I wanted to say. Now, that being said, Psalm 27, if you had to park on one and only own one, and your Bible got to fall off the back of the car and it got shredded and you can only have one Psalm, Psalm 27 would be the one you would want to have. So let's look at these quickly. All right, first of all, the Lord protects me from danger. I will take the time to read the word here. The Lord protects me from danger. It says this in verse 1. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord protects me from danger. So why should I tremble? Well, there's three things in this one little verse that I want to draw your attention to, and you can mark them in your Bible if you want to. The first is this. It says, God is my light. Now, I know He is light. We know about it in Scripture. There's a lot I can say about the Shekinah glory and all of that. But I would rather speak to the issue of when we feel like we're lost, when we're kind of consumed by the fear, because that's the context of the Scripture here, we feel like we're, we've lost direction. What do we do? What are we going to do now? What are we going to do in the future? What's going to happen to us? It's like we're, we're, we're in the dark at that particular time. And so when it says, the Lord is my light, it's very important. It's because He wants to shed His wisdom, His light on that situation. You may not fully understand it, but maybe what you'll know is that He is large and in charge and He's given you that light. We here on this campus, we do keep lights in the sanctuary on all night long. So if you drove by and you see them on, don't think the pastor forgot to shut the lights out, okay? If you see somebody walking around here, call the police. But anyway, upstairs though, it's very dark on the third floor. And we have guests that are up there. And they don't have a bathroom in the guest room, so they have to walk a little bit further away. To do that, they either have to have a flashlight or leave a light on. If they don't do that, they can stumble and fall. And I won't ask our guests who spent the night up there if you've ever stubbed your toe. So you have a light to do that. We will stumble, especially when we have fears in our life, because we've we've lost the ability to make the right choice at that moment. So then we have to say, Lord, help us. We need your light. And the Lord says, I am your light, and I am your salvation. Circle the word salvation, the Lord is my salvation. I really like that because the word salvation there doesn't only mean he's the one who saves you from hell so you have eternal life. Save or salvation in the Hebrew and Greek is much broader than that. It can refer to spiritually, it can refer to physically, so it's a big broad stroke. So almost the context is going to have to explain what he's speaking about. Sometimes it's going to be how the word Lord is spelled as well. But getting back to this, I'm going to refer to it, the Lord is my rescuer. So whether it's physical or spiritual, he is my deliverer. He is my rescuer in my life. Now, there may be people that he will send to help you when you've got a problem. I wish I had the time to tell you men in this room how many of you have come alongside me. I am... um, I am, I am challenged with construction and plumbing and electricity. If you see a tool in my hand, get it out as fast as you can before I hurt somebody. All right. But I have guys in here that when I needed it, they rescued me. Now, when I say they did it, watch this, this is very important. 
I will thank them because that's the courteous thing we do in a social setting. But really the ultimate thank is to say, Lord, thank you for bringing these guys into my life that did something for me. They were a rescuer. And all of you have had people that have delivered you male with male and female with female that have done that. I read a story about how a bunch of guys, a guy rather, was in New York City. <laughs> and while he was there, he's almost getting ready to be mugged. And he tells me, this, he wrote this down. And he said, Stan, he said, I was almost going to be mugged. It's a dark night and a dark street. It could happen almost in any city, so I don't want to marginalize New York. And he said, I saw these three thugs coming at me, and I thought they were going to bandish some weapons at me. And he said, oh, I, I, hope, I, I can't fight these guys. And he looked over his shoulder, and he said, I saw someone coming. And he said, I don't know if it's Barney Fife as a police officer or Chuck Norris. He said, I sure hope it's Chuck Norris. Well, I don't know what it was, but I know this. God delivered him from whatever thugs that were going to nail him at that particular time. So I want you to know that God will provide someone to take care of you when you need it. Why should we be afraid? And then it says, the Lord protects me from danger. I know that he might do that. It does not necessarily mean that he will stop the storm. But I do believe that when you do have a storm in your life, he will help you to go through that particular storm, whatever it might be. I read another story about a Native American tribe. And they had a rite of passage for their 13-year-old boy before he became a brave and what they would do, they would take this 13-year-old boy and they would blindfold him late in the afternoon and they would walk him way out into the forest as a 13-year-old and then they would abandon him out there overnight and he had to survive in the forest, never being there all by himself. And the story is told about the boy who was out there and he said every time he heard a twig crack, he thought it was some big animal trying to get him. Every time he heard the howl of a coyote, he thought it was some wolf that was going to jump out. Every time he heard the wind just go through the trees, he thought it was going to block out, shield any sounds that someone else might get to him. He trembled all night and he just couldn't wait for the morning that seemed to take eternity to get there. But finally in the morning, it started to get a little dusk. And as he looked all around him and the light started to bleed through the forest trees and limbs... He saw around him were nothing but beautiful flowers. And then he saw a path that was just shortly in front of him. And there in front of the path, there was a figure that was there that had a bow and an arrow and it was all meant, dressed out for war. And as the sun began to shine a little bit more brightly, he noticed it was his dad. His dad was there next to him all night long. And as I read that story, I thought, that's a beautiful illustration that sometimes we're going to go through all the storms of life. We even feel blindfolded. We thought we've been abandoned by others. But the Lord, like a warring angel, is right there to take care of you. Now, you might say, where was he when he did this and I lost that? I will tell you this. You always have to remember, no matter how bad you think you had it, always remember this. It would have been worse if the Lord wasn't there to take care of you. So don't think about how bad you have it. Think about how much he's protected you from. Number two. The Lord, of course, protects me in danger, but he also provides me with confidence. This is a very powerful verse. Verse 2 and 3 says this, When evil people come to destroy me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will know no fear. Even if they attack me, I remain confident. God says this, I'll make a way to help you with a troubled heart, even though I may not removed from you troubled times. And so there is that time that you can have that peace. And I only wish that we had the time here in our faith family for me to give you the microphone for you to be able to share a trembling time when the Lord was right there to be with you, to give you confidence when you needed it so very, very much. 
You might want to underline the word when these things happen to you, implying that they will. I know in other verses, if they attack me, but it also says when. So you could put them both together. When and if it happens, I know that the Lord will help me to be strong. I am... Um, I feel for the men here because the rate is, I think, one in, one in six men are going to get prostate cancer. And generally it happens about my age. I thank the Lord my last test came out perfect, and I don't have a history of that in our family. But when I do hear about a man that's got prostate cancer, whatever level it is, and I'm now finding a lot of my friends are beginning to get that as I'm on this big network base for my, my alumni and my alumnus and all that. And um. I look to these guys and I tell every single one of them that I'm watching you because you're going to walk through this journey. I don't know if I'm going to do what medicine you take or what surgery you do or radiation or what. I don't know, but I know this. I'm watching your spirit as a man of God. And so they're going ahead of me. And so I don't know whatever things you're fearing right now, but I want you to go into the word that you're getting here today. And I want you to own it because people are watching you. Your kids are watching you. Now, you don't want to deny that you're afraid, you want to admit it, you want to take, and take responsibility and say, I do have fear from time to time, and some days are better than other days. But I know this, that there's always this wonderful spiritual antidote to my fear, and it helps me to manage my fear. And the Lord gives me, as was sung this morning, victory in this fear. So you let them know that because people are watching you. He will help you. Number three, the Lord prepares me to worship him. I put that down there and I have to tell you that when you are so fearful, and it is with me, I find it almost impossible to worship the Lord authentically when I'm fearful. Now, I can lie and fake my worship to the Lord. I can come to the church and be all matter of fearful about so much stuff, but everybody's singing, the music is good, I'm caught up in the emotion, everybody, I don't want anybody to think that I'm not. I've got to set the pace, everybody's watching me, so I'm worshiping on the outside. That's not necessarily so evil. Because we commit our works to the Lord and our emotions then will follow, our thoughts will follow, the Bible says. But on the other hand, if it's all outward and it's not inward, it is not, listen, it is not sustainable. And so now I'm a fraud. And so now how do I really worship him when I have all these fears? Let's look at this passage and see if we can get something out of it. I'm going to read it slowly. Follow along silently. The one speaking about fear says this, The one thing I asked of the Lord... The thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I'll hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle, I will offer sacrifices, and I love this, with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Now, keep looking at your verse there in front of you instead of me right now. You want to circle the phrase, the thing I seek the most. Now, it's not just seeking, it's a petition, something he's saying, I desire, I want this, is to live in the house of the Lord. Now, I believe that's a metaphor, not so much to live in a sanctuary like a church sanctuary or so much just to live in the Old Testament temple or sanctuary that was there, as important as it was and where God would show his Shekinah glory. I believe it's bigger than that, and I believe you could write in your margin, is to live in the presence of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in him. So I want to live with him in a relationship. This coming January, I want to launch our new... Um, 
I, I don't have a name for it yet, but I want to talk about going deeper with the Lord. I want to talk about a sacred assembly. I want to make sure that as we face the next year, our hearts are fully focused on Him before we begin to do the practical part of living in outreach, which that will become more sustainable when we are, because we do want to seek the Lord. Go back to the passage again. You see where it says, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in His temple? Delighting is something that children do when they get a... No, not children. This is what I do. When I get a shave ice, and my favorite place on the North Shore is, is Ioki. Now, I don't know these people that eat those beans at the bottom of them. I tried them once. Blech, you know, but I sure like the ice cream at the bottom of that shave ice. And usually when I'm there and they're doing all that squirting and stuff in there, I lean over there and I say, can you give me a little more? And they look at me and they say, yep, I don't know why they do it. And they pour that stuff in there and I'm eating it. I'm trying to eat so fast that I can keep my hands clean. I can't do it. I'm licking my elbows. I'm delighting in that shave ice. Now, why don't we delight in the Lord that He is the Lord and the light of our life? And that's what he's saying right here, to delight in Him. Now, watch. But you delight in His perfections. That would be who He is, the perfect God. So go through His attributes again. Go through His name. And then when it talks about meditating in His temple, I would like to say meditating in His Word because you can't get any closer to the Lord than His Word here that He has recorded for us today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to be around the Lord. I'm going to abide in His Word. I'm going to let His words abide in me. I seek that more than anything. So if we keep that in mind, we're going to be seeking Him and listening to Him. Oh, what a joy that is. And look at the end of that. I will sing shouts and I'll be praised. So now, my worship will come when I redirect my thinking about the Lord and who He is. Then I'll be able to worship authentically. Number four, the Lord promises to help me. Now, I hope you have your pens ready because this is a very interesting passage. I'm going to read it, but I want you to have your pens ready. So here we go. The Lord promises to help me. It goes like this. Listen to my pleading, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. Do not hide yourself from me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You've always been my helper. Underline that. You've always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God, of my salvation. Ooh, if my mother and my father abandon me, any filial relationship abandons me, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the path of honesty, for my enemies are waiting for me to fall. Do not let me fall into their hands. What a great passage. Now, here's why I wanted you to have your pens. There are 10 prayer requests in this one simple passage alone. So when you're going through your fear, either believe what he's already promised, or if you feel like you still need to ask for something, here are 10 things you can ask for. Listen to me, plead. Be merciful. Answer me. That's three. Four is don't hide yourself. Five is don't reject me. Six is don't leave me now. Uh, Seven is don't abandon me. Eight is teach me how to live. Nine is lead me along the path. Ten is don't let me fall. And so all these are petitions under the Lord. Listen, listen, listen. Prayer is not so much what John R. Rice says, asking and receiving, as good as that is. Prayer is building a relationship with him by communicating with him. So all of this is, Lord, I'm, I'm asking you, but Lord, it's drawing me closer to you. Watch. The Lord answers those types of prayers because they're biblical if you pray with a pure heart turned toward him. And he will do that. That's the beauty of all this. And I, I pray you'll just own this. And that was David's prayer right there. And that's why he could confidently say that I don't fear what my enemy does. Number five, the Lord prevails in my life. I'm glad I can end with this one because when he prevails in my life, that means he never leaves me. He goes on to say, yet am I confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. 
folks, I, I know your brains are, 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 are stuffed full and you're regurgitating and you can't wait for me to end. And frankly, I can't either, okay? But I need to give you this passage. So please, please, please do me one favor. Don't, don't, don't shut down now. This is huge. Do you know what it says here? Yet I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here on the earth. How many times have you said, we don't understand it now, but we'll understand when we get to heaven. Don't worry about it. Hang on, hang on until you get to heaven. You know, it's going to be better up there. None of that's wrong, except I want you to know that you don't have to wait to die to see the goodness of the Lord. Amen. He will show his goodness to you even today. And so that's what he's saying here. Oh, Lord, I am confident that I will see your goodness in the land today. So either you will be removed from whatever is causing you the fear or that that fear issue, it'll be removed. Or God will give you so much strength that it won't even appear that it's something that will bring you fear at this time. You can be confident. You will see the good of the Lord. Those of you that are going through a trial right now, here's what I urge you to do. I urge you to get a journal. I want you to write down every fearful day, but I also want you to write down every love kiss, every hug from the Lord, every little answer to prayer, every little special thing that he did. Focus on writing that down because if you keep your mind on that which is poor with a good report, these other things will come unto you like peace and joy. But don't, go on, go on, go on, go on. It says here, wait patiently for the Lord. Some of us want him to give us that peace right now. Some of us want to get out of that fear right now. You've got to wait patiently for him. In, in Peter, he says this, the trial of my faith is more precious than gold. If that's true, the trial of my faith is more precious than gold. And the more trial I have, the more gold I might have, not physical gold. And so you don't want to have God remove whatever trial you have sooner than what lesson you can learn from it. Now, you may have to hear that again on tape because it's really important. Don't have him remove the trial from you until you've got all the faith that you can learn and every lesson from it. Be brave, be courageous, because he is courageous in you. And then, yes, wait patiently for the Lord. I want to close with this. Don't fear what Satan and the enemy will do to you here. What you want to fear is what will keep you out of heaven. Scripture says that. I'm not. God wrote that. And then Jesus says, if you want to have that removed, he says this. Know that I'm the one who has the keys to heaven and hell for you. I'm the one who has the key to an eternal relationship with me. And he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to look at you with my kindest of eyes. And through my word, I'm going to remind you what I did for you on the cross some 2,000 years ago. I demonstrated my love to you in that while you were still sinning, he says, I died for you on that cross. I suffered your hell for you on that cross. And what I want to do now is I want to forgive you once and for all, big sins, little sins, all sins. I want to forgive you. So I've done it all so that you never have to fear death or eternity. And he says, will you now come to me by faith alone? Would you now place your faith in me? Jesus said it the best because he's the author of it. He said this, for God so loved the world, that's you and me, that he gave his only son, that's Jesus Christ, that whoever you are, whatever you've done, if you would believe in him, you wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. And so I want you to know right now, heaven is waiting for you. That eternal relationship with him is waiting for you when you trust him. Watch this, watch this. And then because you have trusted Christ, you are a partaker of his divine nature. And that Christ is now inside of you through the spirit of God, which will now help you go through the rest of those fears where he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Believe it and be satisfied. Let's pray. With every, every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to give you a couple of moments right now. 
Because I don't want you to overcome your fear by the enthusiasm of a speaker preacher. I'm passionate about this because it's truth and it works. But I want you to have that confidence, that courage, that resolve because of the Word of God. God's Word, God's truth abiding in you. If you try to mix it up and you want all of this so you have one foot in the Word of God and Christ and the other foot and some issues in your life that you know is very displeasing and disobedient to the Lord, we'll just call it carnality or worldliness, whatever. It's going to be hard for you to really put this all together. In fact, you're really going to be up and down. So as a Christian, you need to kind of just say, Lord, I've got to give it up. I want and need, more than anything, an intimacy with you. That is what's going to strengthen me. That's what's going to give me courage. And frankly, that's what's going to help my family and friends as I try to reach out to them as they see the world coming down all around me, and yet they see a confident resolve. So, Lord, I'm coming to you right now. Those of you who are wanting to overcome your greatest fear, which is where am I going to go when I die? That, in a sense, could be the easiest fear you can overcome because once you trust Christ, you're never going to be cast out. You'll have eternal life forever. And so that's a, a sealed deal. The Holy Spirit himself seals it. But here's what you must do. You've got to realize that you're lost and you cannot save yourself. There's no good deed you do will ever get you into God's family. There's nothing you can do to of your own self to have a relationship with the Lord. That happens the moment you come to Him as a sinner and say, Lord, I want to be born again. I want a brand new life. In a sense, I want to have a complete makeover, a complete do-over. So I'm coming to you as the Lord who died and rose again. You said to me, if I trust in you alone as the one who did that for me, that I can have eternal life. So I believe you are the Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, Almighty God. And I believe you died and I believe that salvation is by faith alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. I believe that. I want you to know Jesus goes on to say, he that believes on me has right now everlasting life. So on the authority of Jesus, not me, you have eternal life. And I'd like to pray for you, you know, in a moment I'm going to ask you to raise your hand because some of you would like me to pray for you right now. Others would rather do it more privately and you can put that on that guest card. But if there's any here today that say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'd do it. As long as you know, raising your hand or me praying for you won't get you into heaven. It is a way for us to kind of connect with you in a prayer. I want to welcome you to God's family. But is there anyone here today that would, by a silent, uplifted hand, would say, you know, I, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to have you pray for me, Pastor, because today is the day I'm, I'm trusting you as my Savior. I'm trusting Christ as my Savior. I'm doing that right now. And I'd like, I'd like you to pray for me. So would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone here today? Never done it before. You only do it once. Once and it's done. Anyone? All right, Christians. How many of you would like to have prayer? Because God really spoke to you about some areas of him. And, and, and you, you know that fear has been... I know it's a real thing. But it doesn't have to be an, a natural thing. It could be a supernatural overcome thing by the Lord. And you'd like to have some prayer... Because you want to experience his peace and his joy and his confidence, his courage, so that you, like the psalmist, can say, even when the enemies surround you, you can still shout and sing 
and praise the Lord. And you'd like to have prayer. Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone? Amen. Father, I thank you that you are all that you said you would be to us in Scripture. It is revealed through voluminous amount of stories, even part of a song that was sung today. We worship you and adore you for that. We confess that we get our eyes off of you onto our circumstances, even sometimes our own failings, and we almost give up, and we get so fearful and teary-eyed and broken, and we tremble and tear, and we can't sleep, and we begin to make all sorts of desperate choices that sometimes only exacerbate our problem. And so, Lord, we confess that. We're going to slow down and wait patiently for you. We're going to believe, Lord, that you'll take care of us. Lord, we won't deny that we have some fears, but at the same time, we will not let our fears debilitate us. We know that you may not remove us from trembling situations and happenings, but you will give us a strong heart when we lean on you. Father, I praise and magnify you in Jesus' name. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Oh,